Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What is happening, gang? We are live on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Polian, and we are jacked to bring you today's episode. After what was quite possibly, and it's not a cliche at this point, the most exciting weekend of NFL playoff football in history. We are excited to give you our breakdown of the divisional round, head into the championship games, give you our feel for how these games are going to break down. We get to dive into Bill's brains to figure out who are going to be the players and matchups that will determine this weekend's games and who will be the two teams that end up in Los Angeles in the Super Super Bowl. But before we dive into today's show, I want to take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors on the pod, Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B L E A V, B L E A V to get started. Football, basketball, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. All right, guys, this is our breakdown of the division games that happened and our look ahead at what might happen in championship weekend on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Poling. All right, what is happening, gang? We are live on the Inside Football Podcast with Will Polian after, in my opinion, and my sort of 42 years on this planet, one of the most fun weekends I have ever had watching football. How are we doing today, gang? Well, everybody's doing fine, except that uh, we're all sleep deprived because of uh, constantly watching football. Yeah. And if you had a rooting interest, your your your, your guts are turned upside down and just, uh, just about settling down now that's right and when and when bill says a rooting interest we all think of what al michaels would call a rooting interest <laughs> <laughs> that's true i wasn't referring to it that way but that's true <laughs> it was one of those games where even even if you wanted to go to sleep on sunday night oh no you were going to be up for hours reliving re-watching and just trying to process the level of football you just saw it, it, it was amazing it was amazing. I mean, if the NFL wanted to put something in a time capsule to show everybody why this game reached the level of popularity it did that weekend, put it in there 2,000 years from now. People say, oh, my God, 
And even before you get to the sort of mania of the end of the game, I mean, it was a clean game, exciting decisions, four penalties, no turnovers. The defenses played as well as they could, I think, in the circumstances. I mean, yeah, they had to drag them off. They were so tired at the end. You're going to be dead at the end. So, Bill, what was what? What were your big takeaways from the divisional round? Well, let me first say, on uh, from thirty-five thousand feet, Commissioner Tagliabue famously said that we are the most fortunate people in the world in the National Football League, <clears throat> in the sense that we have a game that fits perfectly on the rectangle of a television screen or or, or any other screen, and. Our best football is played at the time of the year when the vast majority of people in this country are indoors and, and watching television. So that, that's, a, that's a happy accident, and, uh, and, it's, and it's served the NFL well over time and none better than this past weekend. Uh, having said that, I think we saw this past weekend the, the, the final step in the ascendancy of 53 and a third yard wide offenses, uh, 40 and 50 yard vertical offenses, all of which has taken place uh, really in the last five to seven years, seven to five years. And, uh, and, and now uh, as you go into the championship games, uh, you have alive uh, uh, the two of the young ascending quarterbacks who, uh, who are going to be with us uh, hopefully for another 10 years and uh, three out of four of the veteran quarterbacks who uh, many would call elite. So it's a quarterback's league now and it's a quarterback's game more than it's ever been. It's always been that way since Johnny Unitas uh, and the, and the uh, first modern overtime game in, in, uh, 1958 58 I was about to say 68 58 it's been a quarterback's game and a quarterback's league but never more than now and uh and in in the in the Kansas City Buffalo game what you saw was defenses that just couldn't stop the offenses mainly because in Buffalo's case the quarterback was so mobile and that's the that's that's what differentiates this generation from previous generations, the, the mobility of the quarterbacks, the ability of six, four, six, five guys to go and, and do damage to people in the secondary to overmatch them. Um, and, and so it, it's a different game now and, and it's, it's more exciting and, 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 and more captivating for the fans than it's ever been because you get acrobatic catches and incredible throws and incredible runs and, and everybody's going for it on fourth down. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure they should be, but they are. <laughs> and so it, from an excitement standpoint, uh, it's never been better. No, very true. I mean, I think the the sort of one kind of interesting global takeaway I had was if I'm one of these quarterbacks in the offseason who's going to be on the move, I do not want to be in the AFC. I mean, the AFC <laughs> top to bottom yeah. is stacked. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at, you know, potential places where, you know, you maybe have quarterback questions, you got ready-made teams. Some of those are in the AFC too. It just seems like this is the golden era of if I'm Aaron Rodgers or I'm one of these quarterbacks who may be on the move, I, I want to be in the NFC next year. I do not want to deal with the murderer's row of Allen, Mahomes, 
Herbert, Burrow, Jackson. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Not to mention, you know, the cars of the world. It's just, it seems like the competitive balance from a quarterback perspective has never been more stacked in the favor of the AFC. Well, with Nathaniel Hackett taking over as the head coach in in Denver, which just looks like it's going to happen, it could very well be that Aaron Rodgers ends up there. That's what the speculation is, of course, that they're getting two for one. Yep. And they and they definitely have an opening at quarterback. So uh, uh, he may step right into that fray immediately, yeah. making the AFC must-see TV seven days a week. And speaking of that, Bill, how prescient was Paul when he said how they fit on the rectangle? Now the rectangles are the size of the wall. It's true. It's, yeah. <laughs> you look yeah. at, so it's even better, and the clarity of the picture is yeah. almost better than real life. I mean, so it's... It, you know, or or in the case of Dallas, the size of the stadium, the size of the stadium, exactly. <laughs> or the one coming in New England is going to be basically around the stadium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, to me, it is. Do you think an sort of an NBA mentality might enter the league in regards to quarterbacks? In the sense of, you know, for the last twenty years, we've seen sort of the LeBron escaping sort of the theoretical more danger of the West. Do you think it would be a situation where quarterbacks might start thinking about going? Because if I'm Rodgers, do I really want to be in a division that conceivably has Pat Mahomes, Herbert, if Carr stays? That's about as good a quarterback division as you're going to see in football. And I would just much rather sort of have an easier path to the Super Bowl going not through that murderer's row. Well, if you're like Aaron and you want to you want to get a ring, you're better off in the NFC for sure. It's harder to do it in the AFC, just simply much harder because of the quality of the quarterbacks. So if I were he, I'd be thinking about staying in Green Bay, perhaps. Yeah. You know, the only thing I would say is in, for, in my dealings with players and players like that over the years, you're, you're, you're both right. It's very logical. But I think guys like that aren't afraid of anybody. And they think if I play my game, I, I can beat anybody. I mean, if, if I have a team around me. So, I mean, I, I don't think they'd be fearful of the other quarterbacks. I really don't. Yeah. No, you just wonder if this is turning more into sort of an NBA mentality, and we've seen Brady do it, if we're entering a period where you're going to try to find the path of least resistance to try to get to the school in the and, foot, and also the bringing people with you the way Brady did and attracting other people the way Brady did. Yeah, that, that's the NBA mentality, but, it, but, it's, but it's, only for a, it's only for a select and less than a handful exactly uh, of guys who have made all their money right uh, they can't spend the three generations couldn't spend the money they've made and now it's about chasing rings and, and legacy and there's only a couple in in, in that boat because a lot of them are getting to the point like the nba has where you're making as much or more money off the field than you're making on with the endorsements and, and you know and everything it's amazing it's, the money's ridiculous so they don't have to worry and then, Bill, one other thing, just sort of a takeaway, you know, you've got these sort of watershed games where you wonder if, okay, now this is going to cause sort of uh, the defensive staffs in the NFL to maybe from a strategy perspective, try to come up with new and sort of different ways of defeating these quarterbacks who can move like this. Do you think we're entering into a weird period where, you know, if that adage was, you know, if you can just rush four and get to the quarterback, you're going to be okay on the back end. We might be entering a period where you got to figure out how to get home with two or three so that you can have somebody like an Isaiah Simmons or a hybrid type player sort of spy these quarterbacks to come up with some way to defend against them. 
I definitely think that the hybrid player is in every general manager, every smart general manager's mind. No question about that. No question about that. Because how do you tackle Kyler Murray without what, without that guy? Right. And, you know, there's only one guy in the field who can match it. There's only one guy in the field who, who, who can maybe even catch Mahomes. Uh, with Jackson, you absolutely must have it. So I, I think there's no question about that. And then the other, but you, you can still rush four and, and use that guy. Oh, you got, you, you have to blitz. That's all. So the question is, you know, how do you design blitzes to get four and five home uh, to, to force the, to contain the right. quarterback on the one hand and then force the ball out of his yeah. hand on the other. And and that's doable. That's, that's very doable. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, and you're going to see new and interesting defenses yeah. and, and you're going to see much, much more NASCAR lines because uh, it's, it's to your advantage to force the ball out quicker because that you're at the complete disadvantage when you allow the quarterback out of the pocket in time. So that the, the two things you have to do is keep him in the pocket and then eliminate his time. The, the ability to sack him, it, it becomes absolutely, you know, third on the, or fourth on the priority list. Right. So, so Bill, before we uh, move on to, to uh, the upcoming festival, which we hope will somehow come close to, equaling what we saw. Uh, I know that I've gotten numerous inquiries or complaints about the overtime rule. Uh, why don't you take us through just a little bit of why it is the way it is, the way it's developed historically, and you know uh, why would they can't do what they do in college? Okay, well, it, it's college has done that to the equation. Historically, we, we go back to 1958, Yankee Stadium, Baltimore Colts versus uh, versus uh, New York Giants. The game goes to overtime. The rule requires sudden death. So the uh, um, the, the Colts march right down the field, and uh, and they uh, score a touchdown. Uh, Alan Amici famously scores the touchdown, and and uh, running toward the bleachers uh, where I frequently sat, and uh, and they and they win the game. Uh, so. That was the tradition. That's where it stayed until about uh, 12 years or so ago. And, uh, and there was a human cry, uh, mainly from media people, that the rule was unfair because possession was determined by a coin flip, and that's random. And, uh, and then the winner of the coin flip had a huge advantage uh, because what had happened in recent years was the explosion of field goal kickers who from 50 yards in, even in bad weather are essentially almost always on target. So the the thought was give each team a possession, except if the, um, if the the, uh, first, the team first possessing the ball scores a touchdown, the thinking being that, Hey, we'll take the field goal kickers out of it. So, if, if the first if the team that wins the toss goes down kicks a field goal good the opposition gets a, gets another chance and then then we go to sudden death from there but the thought was you still have to play defense if you give up a touchdown shame on you you should lose the game that that was the that was the thought on the competition committee and it and it was universally felt I, there weren't very many people who who were opposed to it 
So now we go forward and we're in the era that uh, we just described in the opening of the show where quarterbacks and mobile quarterbacks and, and offenses that stretch the field 53 and a third yards wide, and 50 yards and 60 yards long in terms of one completion uh, are in the, in the ascendancy. Offensive football has never been uh, as potent as it is today. So the question is, should the, the idea that you have to play defense in overtime and stop the other team from scoring a touchdown, should that be, is that passe or, 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 or should we adjust and, and make it more fair and perhaps even take the coin toss when you make it more fair and, and, and give each team a possession in overtime, you take the coin toss out of the equation. So um, <clears throat> that's, the, that's the question that the competition committee will deal with. Uh, there is no need to go anywhere near the grotesque college overtime uh, procedures. Uh, we're playing with men who are playing for world championships in the toughest game in the world, toughest physical game in the world. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to have uh, 72 to 71 games, and that's absurd. You get people hurt. You know, it's crazy. I don't know why the colleges allow it to tell you the truth, but so be it. It's that's the it's good for them. You know, <laughs> so it's, it's it's not good for us. Right. It doesn't work for us. Player so, protect, player injury protection. Yes, yes. Oh. Player safety is. It, it, it takes. It, the answer is an unequivocal no because of player safety. So, what do we do? Well, a proposal has been floating around uh, for a couple of years, and I'm certain will will uh, uh, will uh, surface again. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised, even Andy's love for the game and Mr. Hunt's love for the game, that uh, that the, the Chiefs don't sponsor. To be very honest with you, they sort of head faked that they were going to this week. Yeah, yeah, they did last year. They did last time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that proposal will go to the competition committee and by rule, it must be taken up. The bylaws require that it be taken up. And I'm sure that the committee will, uh, will, will, will talk it over. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see a modification to the rule. And I think you only have to make two modifications. I said this in answer to a question on a radio show the other day. And, and, and at some point down the road, I will have done what I used to do on the competition committee, which is sit down with a yellow legal pad and jot down all the unintended consequences that might come from the rule. So we get it all. Covered. Your, uh, your, your, as you called it, your monkey wrench list. That's exactly right. Yeah. I, I was, I was in charge of the monkey wrenches. So uh, the, 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 uh, I haven't done that exercise yet, but as far as I can tell, if you, uh, if you simply, took the loser of the coin toss at the start of the overtime and, uh, and gave them their choice, kick or, re- you know, receive or, 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 or kick. And then you uh, gave each team a possession. And then after that, it's sudden death. Simple enough. There is one unintended consequence, which has not cropped up in the 10 minute overtime that we have in the, during the regular season. It would have to in the playoffs. It has to be 15, for the following reason: you don't want one team to eat the clock right. with runs, simply moving the chains, and then not allowing the the opposition a chance to, to touch the ball. I could see certain coaches, you know, trying to do that, 
but I don't think you can waste 15 minutes. 10, you know, impossible. Nobody's tried it yet. But, and, and there's, there's, a, there's a disincentive to do it in the regular season because you don't want to be out there for 10 minutes. That's the reason we shortened it in the first place. Right. With 17 games, you don't want guys playing, you know, another 10 minutes of football. But uh, in, in the playoffs, I don't think in a 15-minute overtime that you could you could do that. You might be able to use up eight or nine minutes tops, but you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it for 15. So it seems to me that that is a fair way to do it. Uh, absent, of course, the exercise of going through the unintended consequences. And I would be for that. I've changed my mind. I was uh, I was uh, for the old rule. Um, but the way we play offense these days and the way the game's officiated these days, I, I don't think there's any reason to to uh, to eliminate the, 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 you know, both teams having a possession in overtime. Now, will it extend overtime? Yeah, it will. But I don't think anybody really cares at this stage of the game. Right. So I, I will add, Scott, I just want to add one very little known or little remembered fact, Bill, about that 58 game. The Giants actually got the ball first and the Colts forced a three and out. Very few people remember that, but that's what happened. The Colts got it back and they marched down for the Amici touchdown. Um, you know, after the tying field goal uh, that uh, the Colts had to, to send the game into overtime. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember the, the, the three and out. Yeah. I remember Frank Gifford telling me vociferously 35 years after the fact that a fumble, I think it was an LG Dupre fumble, was recovered by the Giants and ruled incorrectly that would have ended the game in regulation. LG Dupre, <laughs> the, uh, the nickname here in Baltimore was long gone, but that actually wasn't so true. <laughs> We're a short yardage guy. I asked Frank about it and he went on for about 35 minutes. <laughs> So it points out that we never forget the games we lose. Right. It's funny, Bill, that you know how we had our Jerry Jones thing. I had the same conversation with Frank Kipper as a Baltimore kid. It's funny. Pretty good. Well, Bill, there were a lot of, obviously, as you can guess, theories floated uh, in the fandom internet world this week in terms of ways to change the rule. The one one that sort of kind of got a lot of steam and resonated with me a little bit that I wanted to float by you is would you be opposed to a scenario? And I think I know the answer to this where you abolished overtime in the regular season. So that ties just sort of exist. So from a player safety standpoint, no overtime in the regular season, but then in the playoffs, you play a full quarter. And then if there's not a conclusive winner at the end of the quarter, you go into the current rule to get the winner from a sudden death perspective. Oh, well, I First of all, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of agnostic about overtime in the, in, the, in the regular season. I think with 17 games, you have to give that serious consideration. Okay. Uh, and you maybe want to – you, you might want to um, – well, I don't think you can go below 10 minutes and not have one team, one team hog the ball, so to speak. Uh, so that isn't fair. I think if you go below 10, you might as well eliminate it. But I think you got to give that thought. I would be open-minded about that. In the in the uh, in the regular season, no. You, I'm sorry. In the playoffs, no. You don't you don't want to play an additional 15 minute quarter. That's you got to play next week. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's too much. Yeah, way too much football. You punish the winner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. All right. Well, speaking of teams that might have hangovers. 
what could be a letdown weekend. What are your thoughts on the championship game weekend, championship uh, weekend games? I mean, is there is there a chance that the Chiefs are a little bit sort of drained headed into this game with Cincinnati? I don't know that they're drained necessarily. Obviously, we know without a doubt because this is about matchup football and the playoffs are about players, not plays. So when, when, when you have injuries or guy, you know, depleted rosters, that changes everything as we saw in the Super Bowl last year. Yep. Kansas City lost both tackles in the championship game and they lost the Super Bowl. They had no chance. So um, that's the caveat that, that, over, that, that overrules everything. Now, in terms of, of – I took off the statistics, as we usually do, and I don't, I don't want to go have a whole show based on metrics, but here's the we, – we, we always talk about point differential, right? Rams, uh, 19 points being allowed, 32 points in two games, plus 13. Mm-hmm. Good. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. San Francisco, despite the fact that they've beaten the Rams head-to-head twice, 13.5 uh, points allowed per game, 18 points scored, plus 4.3. 4. Mm-hmm. So that tells you great defense by San Francisco, mediocre offense, and Rams, big-time offense, slightly less defense, but a huge advantage offensively. Mm-hmm. So... You know, you can always you can always take the position that the best defense wins, and uh, and that may well be true. And and, and when you look at the sack totals, it, it, it's interesting in that Arm, uh, Armstead has three sacks, Bosa has two point five, Ipukam one point five, so that's a total of uh, nine sacks in two games for the San Francisco 49ers. If you view sacks as half a turnover, because it does eat up yardage, that's a huge defensive defensive advantage. And the weakest point of the Rams team is their pass protection, notably their left guard. So this gets closer than that point differential might indicate. Both teams are zero even when it comes to giveaway takeaway, the Rams have had four fumbles, interestingly. So this game looks close and even. Now let's look at the look at the playmakers. The running game for the Rams, Akers, uh, 41 for 103, 2.5 a carry. All you heard on the broadcast was Akers, Akers, Akers. Got to hold on to the ball. Yeah. Got to hold on to the ball, and you got to do better than 2.5 a carry. Yeah. yeah. Michelle. 14 for 62, 4.4 per carry. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't yeah. hear his name too much. No. Cooper Cup. Ooh. 14 for 18 for 244, 17.4 average, two touchdowns. Odell Beckham, 10 for 12, 123, 10.3 average, one touchdown. So, what does this tell us? It tells us a couple of things. If I were in a scouting meeting, I'd whip these statistics out and I would say to the scouts, I don't even want to hear about anybody who's not 95% or better catch ratio at the college level. Right. This is what's happening when the money's on the line. That's right. Yeah. Everybody catches the ball. 
<laughs> yeah, there's right? no drop. Yeah, no, there are no drops. Not to um, mention the the guy who also sacrifices his body to block like a wide receiver. I've never seen. Yeah, Cooper Cup, yeah. unbelievable. Now, interestingly, the Rams, Von Miller in the playoffs, two sacks. Aaron Donald won. Floyd won. So you have a total of uh, of, of four point five versus nine, but the matchups because of Miller attacking the left side of the Rams uh, offensive line makes that a very, very, very tough matchup. Also, from maybe a little higher perspective, you know, 35, 20,000 feet, the Rams sold out to get Stafford, sold out future drafts to get Stafford, Von Miller. They brought in Beckham, who's, who's been on his best behavior, and all of those, all of those investments are one step from paying off. So kudos to Ram management. The only one you can win is the one you can win now. And Von Miller and Beckham have made a huge difference, a huge difference. Yeah. And they are really, really, really matchup problems against 49ers weakest link, which is their secondary especially if they have injuries in the secondary. We don't know yet as of uh, this, this program who's going to go and who's not, but they have people banged up in the secondary. So this one looks really close, but I think the edge, and it's, this is where you come back to the conventional wisdom. I've tried to take us through the reason why the conventional wisdom is there. The conventional wisdom people don't know why it's there, but they, they, we're back to it. Right. Okay. They just know uh, it's conventional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stafford's passer rating is 102.9. Uh, and, 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 uh, and Jimmy G's is, uh, let's see, he, his, he's 98.7. So, the advantage there is Stafford. Yep. Also, in the run game, uh, San Francisco has Mitchell averaging uh, 44. He's got 44 carries for 149 yards, 30, uh, 3.4 average. Samuel, 20 carries for 111, 5.6 average. Both have a touchdown. Um, in, in the receiving end, Samuel is 6 for 7, uh, 82 yards, 13.7, no touchdowns. Kittle is 5 for 9, but... Some of those were, were in, in Green Bay where it was really hard in the weather situation. 16.2, no touchdowns. And Ayuk, five for seven, uh, 66 yards, 13.2, one touchdown. So, you know, the, the, the Kittle is the, and Samuel are the, are the explosive guys in their passing game. So it boils down to, A, can they protect Stafford from that great rush line? Can the Rams protect Stafford from that great rush line? That's advantage 49ers. And B, can San Francisco defend in the secondary against this incredibly talented and explosive receiving core backed up by a decent running game, which gives them, which gives them a, a you know, good play-action game? The running games cancel each other in, in reality, although they're important. And then in the end, because this game is so dang close, does Stafford outplay Jimmy G in the end? That's the bottom line. Yeah. I could see this one coming down to two minutes, too. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And it's two kickers who, you know. All right. Let's talk about them. 
That's going to be interesting. Matt Gay is 43 for 49 on extra points. Wow. Yeah. What's wrong there? Right. And and 32 for 34 on field goals. Both kickers have great range. Robbie Gold's range is a little lower than Gay's. Uh, but it's going to be good weather, so there's no issue here at all in that regard. Robbie, uh, Robbie Gold is 39 for 40 on extra points and 20 for 23 uh, on, on field goals. So it, it, it's kind of a push, except that it's surprising that Gay has missed six extra points. Yeah. Now, I asked I asked a, a, a friend who's a mathematics guy, should I combine the two numbers and 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 just give you the the, what the percentage looks like because the extra points a 32 yard field goal right the, and he said no the pressure is different so separate them yeah and, and so i did but both guys both both are capable i'd worry a little bit about gay with the extra points you know and, that's, that's and an got, issue and nicked up a little bit in pregame and yeah short from 47 in tampa yeah not automatic where yep. Robbie yep. hit a crazy field goal in the snow in Green yeah. Bay. I don't know. Well, one, he's used to that. <laughs> I know. That one feels like it might be a lean. But, you know, what do you know? It, it could be. It could be. I mean, he he's had more pressure kicks in his career than has Matt Gay. So, but but it's close, it's close to a push. So, I think in, in, when it's all said and done, this comes down to which quarterback is protected best and which quarterback plays best. It's going to be a big game for Joe Notebloom if he's got to go. This, this could be a – And this will be true the next game. I mean, to me, the, the right teams are winding up in these games, and they're really talented, and they're playing hard, and they're playing well. So it's going to be a great game. Yeah, there's, 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 no, there's no question about that the right teams are there. The, the pretenders, you know, have, have gone the way they're, they're – they're playing in Des Moines somewhere. Uh, you know, exactly. the platters are appearing in Des Moines here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, or, or the platters, what do they call them? Knockoff groups or cover groups? Yeah, yeah. yeah. cover groups. Yeah, that's yeah, right. They're that's, gone. That's who's showing up. Yeah. The cover yeah. band performance. But, Bill, we've talked about a lot on the show about how hard it is to beat a, a team three times in a year. But does that go out the window when you look at they beat them six in a row and McVeigh's not gotten past Kyle? You know, I, I I don't think there's anything to that. That's just a, it's just an anomalous situation. It depends on who's healthy in a given week. It depends on what your game was like the previous week, all those kinds of things that don't come into play in the playoffs. The focus in the playoffs, with the exception of New England and, it, well, and a few of the other teams that went out early, they're, they're, those players are fo- laser-focused. I mean, they're this – Players are never more focused than they are during the playoffs. In fact, you worry about them being too amped up and too focused, and too tight. You know, as coaches and, and organizations, you're trying to find ways to keep things the same as it always is. Don't overplay it. Stay in the moment. All that kind of, you know, you're preaching all of that kind of thing because they are really amped up. So I don't think that other than maybe some bulletin board material or something that the coaches might use for motivation, I don't think there's anything to the to the six straight or or you know Kyle Shanahan's in McVeigh's head. You know, I, I I don't think so. And and just like any other any other situation where you play each other a lot, this is an intra division rivalry. They know each other's strengths and weaknesses. There's no hiding anything. Yeah. You know, 
there's really nothing you can. I mean, you come up with some trick plays and yeah, things some like surprise that, packages, but, yeah, yeah, but but nothing like like and, and on, on a on a on a in a one week situation, that's hard to do. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I, I think this this comes down to, as I said, who can protect best, and and which quarterback plays the best, and you can't miss gimmies. You know, you're going to have mistakes in, in these high stakes games. You're going to have mistakes. You're going to have a mistake like Tampa Bay made on the last uh, second, the last play of the game uh, in the fourth quarter last week where they blow a coverage and, uh, and they don't get all the blitzers home that they were supposed to. And they take the wrong leverage and a safety jumps, the uh, jumps a route that he shouldn't have jumped. And lo and behold, Cooper Cup is wide open down the field for a 50-plus yard completion. So that essentially wins the game. Those things are going to happen in the playoffs because everything is so amped up. So you've got to be able to coach to avoid those kinds of things. Um, And and so you don't go hell-bent for leather all the time. Try to – less is more. The Tony Dungy approach, less is more. So – well, you thought after sort of the Greg Williams challenges of running cover zero in the situation <laughs> year after year, you were like, there's no way Todd Bowles is blitzing in this scenario, right? And then it was just like, how is this happening? Well, people who believe in it, believe in it. Yeah. yeah. And, and there is a, you know, live by the blitz, die by the blitz. Right. And secondly, there is tactical reason to do it because – you're in a situation where if you can force him to get rid of the but he won't get sacked. He'll get Matthew Stafford will get rid of it, but he'll get rid of it early, and you might get a turnover. And even if it's completed, it's going to be a short completion unless you miss a tackle. So you're, you're keeping you're keeping the clock running, and and you're giving him short completions, which you would also do if you if you played soft zone. But the risk. Uh, with, with the with the blitz is so much greater and Murphy's law took took hold you know the blitz came it was screwed up a mistake was made and if you blitz you better get there you better get home you better we, and we, you better we, cover everybody we've seen that movie a couple times and it's not a couple a times one. right we'll be talking about it again in a minute so you know and 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 this is where the court this is where the quarterbacks come in uh, I'm going to go back to Peyton Manning for a moment all the years we played against Rex Ryan in Baltimore and, and in, in New York, uh, Peyton would always say, and Tony would always say before the game, this is going to be an ugly game. We're not going to go out here and, and be the high-flying Colts like we usually are because they're going to make it very difficult on us. But at some point during the game, points, plural, they're going to make a mistake and we're going to take advantage of it for a big play. And we can't miss the big plays. And we almost never did. In the last week with Stafford, those of you that are not Stafford believers, he had the big play to win the game and he didn't miss it. That's what really good quarterbacks do. Mahomes almost never misses when he's got that opportunity, as you saw last week. And and Burrow doesn't die. So uh, despite his youth, whereas New England, Indianapolis, opening play of the game, mistake, great scheme, Open guy, touchdown, seven zip before New England ever touches the ball. Carson Wentz misses it. You can't miss those. You can't miss those. That's And the great quarterbacks don't. That's the point. So not, not that Carson's chopped liver. He's not. But you can't miss those opportunities. And, 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 and Tom Brady doesn't. And 
and and Peyton Manning doesn't, and yeah. all of these guys don't. You're right. It's only he may be not chopped liver, but he may be liver in their steak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moving on to the other game, Kansas City. Interesting numbers here. Really interesting numbers. Kansas City defense giving up 28.5 a game. Uh-oh. Yeah. Always right. When I when I began to see that number, I said, "Woo wee!" And, and we saw, and they gave up thirty four to them four weeks ago. Yep. Uh, Kansas City offense forty two points, so it's plus fourteen. <laughs> you can you can overcome that. Now with a high scoring offense, weather is an issue. But as of uh, when I last checked, which was early this morning, weather doesn't look like it's it's going to be a factor. Uh, wind is always a factor in Kansas City, but Patrick overcomes it. There's no issue there at all. Cincinnati, points per game offense, 17.5. That was interesting. I'm sorry, 22.5. And points per game defense, 17.5. So a plus five differential. So that tells you right off the bat that Kansas City has a heck of an advantage because that offense is so prolific that it's, it's really hard to to stop them. Now, since having said that, Cincinnati's defense at 17.5 in the playoffs is right on the number. That, that's ideal. That's where you want to keep the opposition. So Cincinnati's defense is not chopped liver. They're really quite good, and, and they've improved tremendously since last year, largely because of the uh, of the uh, addition of Hendrickson and, and – uh, some others uh, on defense and, and the emergence of their two young linebackers on defense and a secondary that didn't look like it was uh, terrific on paper at the start of the season. They played really, really good. Yeah, apparently you you bring Ohio State guys back to Ohio. <laughs> yeah, well, Eli Apple has played better than Eli Apple has ever yeah. played in his career. Yeah, true. <laughs> and And – and, he, and I think in the conference championship game, he can be a little more touchy-grabby than, uh, than than he normally is, Yeah, which is to say a lot. Right. And they might, and they might let it go. Uh, they typically don't officiate as closely. Awuzie has been phenomenal. He's been really great. And, of course, their safety is, is, is one of the emerging young safeties in the league. So, And he has the lone interception that the Bengals have gotten in the playoffs. Plus or minus, since uh, Kansas City is minus one, amazingly. And Cincinnati, amazingly, is plus four. So you get on paper, it looks like Kansas City is unstoppable. I give Cincinnati a puncher's chance here. And here's the matchups. We, we know Mahomes. He, he's 98.5, uh, 37 and 13, 7.3 average. Uh, Burrow. 108.3, 34, uh, 14 for 34, 18, 8.9 average. I'm sorry, 34. Uh, on, on the season, 34 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Mahomes, 37, 13, and uh, 8.9 average. 8.3 in the playoffs. Mahomes, 9.4 in the playoffs, APC. So these are both down the field, big play teams. Interestingly, running game, Kansas City, McKinnon, 22 for 85, 3.9, pretty good, and a touchdown. Hilaire, 7 for 60, 8.6, and two touchdowns. So the Kansas City running game is hitting on all cylinders. The 
Bengals, on the other hand, Mixon, 31 for 102, 3.31 touchdown. Mm. Chase has two carries. That's it. That's the running game for Cincinnati. So that is uh, a mixing a mixing countries and generations here. Right. <laughs> but uh, that is the Achilles heel. Yeah. <laughs> of uh, of the of the uh, of the Bengals, if Mixon can't run, or is gimpy, or some other situation, or they can stop him, then the Bengals are at a huge disadvantage. Yeah. The historical reference there was that Cincinnati was Roman and uh, and Achilles was yes was uh, yes uh, Greek. Greek Greek. For those of you that uh, don't care about history, which is probably ninety nine percent of you. <laughs> I don't know. I would say I would say it's more like you know, fifty on our show. Our audience, yeah, we have a good our audience. audience. Skews more but, to the history crew, Bill. You know, it, I, well, I agree, but you know, Bill is always here to give us another lesson in some subject that is not just football. So stick around. <laughs> Next guy, week we got he's a big the one. guy who, when he got to Cincinnati and they, I mean, to to, uh, to Indianapolis, and they asked him to speak at Christmas Addicts High School. He knew who Christmas Addicts was, and I guarantee you, he was the only general manager in the league who did. So anyway, there you go. <laughs> no, I don't think that's the case. But anyway, back to football. Definitely not anymore since we got so many new uh, – we got a lot of Princeton kids coming into the – Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. Quasi knows who he is, that's for sure, as does Ryan Foles and many others. Uh, Hill, uh, amazingly, 16 for 18. They do catch the ball in the playoffs, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me about taking the top off the defense, but you can't catch the ball. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 204, 15.7, two touchdowns. McKinnon, 11 for 13, 135, 12.3. Kelsey, 13. I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong statistic on uh, on uh, on Hill. 16 for 18, 207, 12.9, two touchdowns. Kelsey, 13 for 16, 204, 15.7, two touchdowns. That's interesting. Conventional wisdom would have you thinking that Hill would have the better APC. It's not because Kelsey is, uh, you know, so much run after catch and so many downfield seam routes. The pun return also threw you off, I think. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Uh, well, he doesn't do that every week, you know. That's yeah, totally so you're like, is this special. a catch? What is this? It's a playoff. Yeah. Butker, 47 for 49 in extra points, 25 for 28 field goals. So he's money. And, uh, and and speaking of money, Money McPherson, a rookie, 46 for 48 on uh, extra points, 28 for 33 on field goals, which you would, ex- that you would expect from a rookie. In the playoffs, interestingly enough, Cincinnati has four interceptions, and, and they are plus four in, uh, in uh, plus minus, and Kansas City has no interceptions, and they're minus one in plus minus. So what does this boil down to? Well, if Cincinnati can protect against a, a rush front that has been energized by Ingram, that was a great move by uh, the Chiefs to pick him up, and Chris Jones, then they've got, if they can protect, they have a heck of a chance to make a game of it. But for me, the difficulty for them is, A, protection. Now, they're not up against the defense that can rush the passer as good as Tennessee could. Um, and the nine sacks are evidence of it. I mean, who survives nine sacks for goodness sake? But 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 Burrow did. But they they've got to protect. And conversely, Kansas City has to has to be able 
to rush the passer. They got to find ways to rush the passer. Chase has to be stopped. He's the man. They have uh, they have other good receivers, Higgins and, and Bryant, but Chase is the guy. He's the guy that does the most damage, and of course, he has the chemistry with Burrow. Uzama has developed as a as an interesting interesting tight end target. He's 13 for 14 in the playoffs. 135, 10.4 average for a tight end. That's that's big money. Good. You know, yeah. Yeah. that's pretty good. Right. And Chase is 14 for 18, 225, 16.1. So they are guys, if Cincinnati can protect, they're in the game. If they can't protect <laughs> or run it, it gets ugly. Fast. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is have to be chasing points with Kansas City, especially in Kansas City. On the other side of the coin, Cincinnati's defense has been tremendous, and 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 they have legitimate rushers. Hendrickson and Hubbard are legitimate rushers. If they're if the guy they got from Cleveland, whose name I keep forgetting, uh, who came over Okanjobi. as a free agent, Okajobi, he's hurt. So uh, if they had him, they'd have more than a puncher's choice. Thank you, uh, uh, Scott. But they don't. So it's going to be harder to, to, to get inside rush going against them. But Cincinnati's defense, particularly on the back end, has played very well. Let's see what they do scheme-wise. We know that people who take away Kelsey and take away Hill have had success against the – or tried to do that, have had success against the Chiefs. And we'll see if they do that. Obviously, Buffalo didn't do it. Uh, in the 13-second period last week, and it killed them. So this game, to me, if Cincinnati can protect, will be tighter than I think uh, the pundits predict. If they can't protect, if they can't protect, excuse me, it, it'll get ugly fast mm-hmm. because they're not going to survive nine sacks uh-huh. or even five sacks against the Kansas City Chiefs. Say, but, but what's crazy about this one? is if you look at when they played a month ago. Now, granted, Chase played a generational game. So this is where this is a weird one, right, looking at the stats, because Burrow was sacked four times, but Chase had 266 receiving yards on 11 catches and three touchdowns, which makes you think that can't possibly happen again, which this is a situation where, to your point, if they can't protect – even if they protect at that level – I don't see Chase having that kind of a game against the Chiefs in this situation, do you? No, I do not, for a couple of reasons. Number one, don't forget the Chiefs had everything clinched in that game. Yeah. Home field was still a little at issue. Yeah. Yeah, home field was at issue. That's right. And, a, but and the bye. And the bye. But virtually everything else was done. So, And it was on the road. It was in Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken. It was. So, yeah. Arrow, Arrowhead is a huge advantage. Exactly. We talk, I mean, talk about that, Bill, just generally with the noise and having to go with a silent count and how, how that affects a team in terms of, you know, being able to, to be in rhythm and so on. Yeah, Arrowhead and Buffalo are the two noisiest outdoor stadiums in the NFL. And, uh, and Arrowhead's uh, capacity is larger now than Buffalo. So, you know, you're going to have more people yelling there for a larger decimal count. Uh, and they pride themselves on it. So it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to... To call audibles, it's difficult to even get the snap count. So that's a that's a big, big home field advantage for the Chiefs. But to, to Scott's point, 
first of all, if they, if they didn't know that you have to take away Chase, they do now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, they, they, the scout could have been in nursery school and would have come up with that one. And, and, and secondly, there's much more at stake here right now, and they're much more focused. And by the way, you know, it was a it was sloppy play by the Chiefs at the end of the game that allowed the last touchdown because there were three penalties right in a row. Right. Two of which were were one was I think was uh, defensive holding, the other was DPI. So the Chiefs secondary has been sloppy all year in terms of, of, of penalties. But you'd think that in the A in the playoffs you get away with a little bit more. And B, you think that Spags would would and I know Spags is trying to clean it up. So it would just make me nervous from an analytics perspective to go, okay, we, we only, we lost since I only won by three, right. so Kansas city loses by three on the road. Chase has a generational game. This just seems like to your point, if they can't protect this game could get ugly fast yeah, in well, favor of the chiefs. It could get ugly fast. Yeah. It's turnovers on the, on the, Here's the, here's the thing you don't you absolutely cannot do against Kansas City, especially in Kansas City. Yeah, you can't turn the ball over and give them extra times at back. Yep. And 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 sacks really are a half a turnover because you're you're eating up so much yardage and putting yourself so far behind the chains, running, having to you know make risky plays. So you can't chase points against the Chiefs, and and. And you and you absolutely got to protect the quarterback. And the other thing is, having taken nine sacks last week, I don't know that he survives, you know, a five sack game here. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, it's pretty hard to do. It is, yeah, yeah, it is. No, it's, Physically, I... he's a tough. He's a tough guy. Oh, he is. Yeah. There's a, there's a point where and those two are. They are a great combination. I mean, they chemistry of those guys is great. But but it's too many hits. I mean, at some point, this is. I understand. I don't know. I just look at this game and I go, just from my analytics, but this could get out of this could get out of hand fast. Now, here's the key for Cincinnati: a, don't turn the ball over, which they don't do at, at, at a high rate. B, run the football. Mixon's a good back. Yeah, you don't need three backs this Sunday. Just one guy will do. Go ahead, hand it to him, right. and, and 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 block it up, and run the football. If you can run the football, now you're giving yourself, now you're giving Joe Burrow and company a chance to really be good uh, against Kansas City secondary, which Kansas City's defense is, is is vastly improved, but still the secondary is is dicey because they don't have tremendous pass rush. It's 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 good, but it's not tremendous. Mm-hmm. Bolton has been a big big plus for for them. The line the uh, second round draft choice linebacker, he's been terrific. And he's a that's a good matchup against Mixon. If they can get Mixon stopped, mm, whoops. Yeah, right. That's gonna be good. If they go the other way and they have to pull more people in the box, you have the chance for the explosive plays. I mean, Burrow can get the ball anywhere. I mean Yeah, yeah. He can yeah. he can he can make all the throws and and but they're gonna I'm I'm certain Spags is gonna take away Chase, you know, and, and just say, Okay, beat us with T. Higgins and company and Uzama and and, and those guys are capable. They're capable. There's no question about it. And Burroughs is capable, but you still have to protect them. So it all comes down to, you know, can they protect Burroughs? If they if they can and they can run the ball decently, they got a hell of a chance because there's so much improved on defense. 
Well, there you go. That is our look at the divisional round. Now, it's sort of weird asking this question because even while we're recording this, I think the dam has broken on several uh, head coaching hires in the NFL. Uh, But we've gotten a lot of questions this week about it seems, at least from a fan perspective, that this season of head coaching hires has taken a lot longer than in years past. And some of that obviously has to do with new general managers and those kinds of things. But Bill, could you kind of talk about has this been slower? And if so, why? Well, it's been slower largely, I believe, because of the rules that are the enhanced rules that are in place. You have to interview two minority candidates for every major opening that you have. So if you're interviewing for head coach, you have to interview two minority candidates. Uh, in addition to everyone else that you're that you're uh, going to interview, that takes time. Secondly, if you have a GM opening, same thing. You have to interview two minority candidates for every GM opening you have. And then if you go to a two uh, a two tiered process, which almost everybody does these days, uh, because of the plethora of candidates that you have to talk to, uh, you now uh, you now put yourself in a position where uh, where you have to interview a minority candidate in person if uh, for the uh, for the final if you three or four however many you have one has to be in minority and all and the minority interview has to be in person so um, that is stretches stretches the process out so even if you went the old typical way uh, which was to pick out you're trying to hire a head coach, identify six, five or six people, you bring them in, you talk to them for five or six hours each. Uh, you can do that in three days. Right. They're long days, but you can do it. And, uh, and you're, you're finished essentially in a week. Now what happens is, and I'm not complaining about any of this, by the way, it's, it's good. These are, these are good rules. Yeah. They're there for a reason and, and they're excellent. But, now, now, now you're cutting, you're cutting your first interview down to three hours uh, because you have more people to speak to. And, you know, it's, it's hard to do nine hours of interviewing in one day. Right. Uh, you, you're better off to do six. Right. Uh, and, and so that means you're interviewing two people a day. And, um, and then it's, it's also complicated on the coaching side by the playoffs. For example, Kevin O'Connell, who, who is, rumored to be a candidate in certain places is not available to speak to anybody until Monday because of the rules governing coaches in the playoffs, which are good rules too, by the way. Well, and because of Kevin O'Connell, there's no better apprenticeship spot than being an offensive coach in Washington to be a head coach somewhere else. (laughs) That's true. So Scott Turner, get ready. Your cycles next year, buddy. (laughs) But, but the, the, the whole process has been, uh, has been lengthened, be, I think, for the better. Yeah. Because of of, of the modification, not or the enhancements of the of the Rooney Rule, which is great, and, and I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to come out with results that you know are going to be positive. Yeah. For I mean, the old Rooney Rule just well intended, but just not sufficient. I mean, we just had to do something more to 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 bring equity into the National Football League. Right. And that, and that. That adds candidates and that increases the time. But so what? You know, that's all. I think most people have gotten past the idea that you have to make the hire quickly or you lose all the good assistant coaches. That's a 
that's a rumor that the agents circulated or a theory that the agents circulated, which really doesn't hold water. And, uh, and, and ultimately, they, they made some changes, too, with the rules allowing people to move from subordinate positions into coordinator positions, uh, which will allow more, more staff movement and ameliorate or, or make that argument move. So the process is good. I've been part of it with the Bears. I think most people know that. And, um, and I've enjoyed it. But I, I, I think that the rules uh, work really worked really well. Uh, I would have little or no criticism or suggestions on anything. I think, it, I think they work very well. And we'll see if they worked as intended. Well, as the world will find out probably right as we're recording this, the process with the Bears seems to have come to a conclusion. Yeah. Well, that's possible. <laughs> that's, My lips are sealed. It shall not be revealed on this show. <laughs> there you that's go. absolutely true. Or any other show. For or that. any other show. One uh, one weird question that came up this week. How do playoff bo- – and speaking of assistant coaches, how do playoff bonuses work for assistant coaches? I, I was reading a story that – and I don't even know if this is Bubba Meissen or not – that in Arizona, the assistant – the the bon- playoff bonuses for coaches are exclusively at ownership's discretion and that as, as of this point, they hadn't been paid in Arizona yet. Is that true? No, it's not true. Okay. Um, by rule, unless the rule has changed – <laughs> and I don't know about it, and I think I would um, if it had been changed. And by rule, uh, assistant coaches with assistant coaching contracts, you have to have an assistant. You have to be considered uh, by contract as an assistant coach and on file with the league, as opposed to a consultant, for example, or a guest coach or something of that nature. You are entitled to the same bonus that the players get. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. yeah. The same share that the players. Now, many agents write into head coaching contracts and and nowadays, I I guess, coordinator contracts, bonuses over and above specified bonuses, bonuses over and above what the league mandates. Okay. And 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 then for non coaching qualified coaching people, the contract says you are an assistant coach and you report to the head coach, you fulfill all the obligations and and requirements of an assistant coach. For non-coaching people, any bonuses are at the discretion of the owner. Okay. Be it scouts, uh, people who are not, who are attached to the coaching staff, but support people, trainers, people like that. That, that, That's all. That's at the discretion of the owner. Right. I mean, with, with assistants and head coaches, you know, it's interesting. It's it's just like in the rest of the entertainment business, right? There there is there are rules about minimums, but agents come in and negotiate above and beyond. Right. Yeah, and the only minimums again apply to people with bona fide coaching contracts. Right. Exactly. Well, there you go. That's a it's a good lesson. Always get a bona fide contract when spending anything. <laughs> you learn anything on this show today, Scott. I've been telling you that for years. Bonafide contract. Bonafide, yeah. Uh, that is, is Rick Schaefer's middle name. That's right. I'm getting dinner and bonafide contracts. You, I even want a bonafide menu. Yes, I yes, exactly. All right. 
All right, gang. Well, that is our show for this week. Next week, we will dive into what happened and hopefully what was an exciting championship week of football and maybe start our look ahead at the Super Bowl. As always, if you have questions, hit us up on Twitter at IFBillPolian, and we will be sure to cover them in the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy the games. Exactly. Enjoy those games, everybody. Don't know if we can match last week, but we hope. We'll see. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.